This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Hi listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to the 47th episode of the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. On today's show, I continue the discussion with Glynis McCarthy and Brent Robinson about learning from everyday work. During the writing of the 2019 book, The Practice of Learning Teams, we explored the opportunities for learning from everyday work using learning teams. In April 2021, we released a video on everyday learning where we explored a method of worker engagement and reflection in a construction environment. This video has had many thousands of views and many more organisations are beginning to have the wider discussion on learning from everyday work. In late August, early September, we will be publishing a white paper on everyday learning in collaboration with Dr Todd Conklin and Geoffrey Lith. At the end of today's podcast, I will share with you some of the key points from the Everyday Learning White Paper. So please sit back and enjoy as we discuss the journey of everyday learning. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of the old suggestion box. Mm, like the old good old um, improvement for opportunities yeah, for improvement. Opportunities for improvement. Yeah. So did the organisation action every single one? Or did it look to see where there were patterns forming from what people were saying? Patterns forming. Yeah. Yet what's interesting is that these things, like these suggestion boxes and opportunity for improvement, actually required the worker to then make some decision-making about what it was and what the improvement was. What we talk about with the four Ds is what we're giving them is we're giving them a frame. And we're asking them to work out what doesn't make sense to you. What's changed that's making that process um, different? What's changed that's making that process more difficult? And what things make you feel uncomfortable? So we're giving them that thinking frame with the four Ds. And with that, fr- that thinking frame, then that allows them when they think about their day, their activities for their days, that, uh, that gives them some context to then actually identify what those things were. It doesn't matter how irrelevant they are. What matters is what the worker feels yeah. that's relevant to them because it's their voice, it's their narrative. I think what it's also doing is, is the unintended consequence of it, which is a positive one, is that you're really building those critical thinking skills that we constantly ask our workforce to have. Yeah. We're constantly asking our workers to assess risk. We're constantly asking our, our workers to, to, to think about what's going well and what potentially isn't going well. And now you're giving them a frame in which for that to sit alongside. And, and I have issues with people saying what went well, what didn't go well, because that asking, that's asking workers to make judgment. Mm, but we're, we're constantly asking workers to make judgments, I, aren't we? I, we're making judgments about is there a are you fit to start work? Are you yeah. do you have all the tools that you need? You know, we're constantly asking our workforces to make evaluative statements about the state of work. Um, really, what we should do be doing is giving our workforce tools that they can critically appraise work. Ah, that's interesting. Moving from evaluation to critically appraising. 
That's nice. Isn't it? Is that an adult learning concept? I think it's probably a pragmatic concept. (laughs) (laughs) I smell another book coming on. (laughs) Pragmatism. By by Glynis. Short story. (laughs) (laughs) But the book's (laughs) non-refundable. Oh dear, and you'll learn some new words in it, so that would be yeah. good. Yeah, and Glynis, uses, likes, Glynis likes to use 98 font, because that way she can push out the size of the pages. <laughs> Says he. <laughs> I need big font now because our, our reading base are old. <laughs> More like your eyes are old and you yeah. can't see, and you're too vain to wear glasses. Well, that's why I'm waiting for the new iPhone that's coming out with the, the big sort of, you know, 15-inch screen. It's a 42-inch screen for Brent. It's really hard yeah. to carry. Yeah, well, well, I can put it over my shoulder like a good old ghetto blast from the 80s. <laughs> it's all fun. But, but in, all, in all seriousness, um, I think part of, part of what I'm talking to Todd about and some things that we need to think about is that we need to be able to demonstrate to organisations how to learn yes. and, and the alternatives to learning. Because at the moment, there is this um, amount of uncertainty. And more often we're hearing from from people saying, oh, we're getting too much learning. And I would say, well, um, are you actually targeting your learning? Because I can go, I can go out and have 10 conversations and, and get 10 different learnings. Yep. But, and, I, and, and that's what I find quite surprising. Yeah. You know, that we're learning too much. Well, but... Empower the people that are doing the work to do what they're doing and improve, both from a safety context and a productivity context. Fantastic. And if you like it, use it. If you don't, let them let them keep on going with it because you don't have to collect the data about how many you've done or we did 27 in this plant this month or on this site this month. If it's an improvement, it's an improvement. And you're empowering them and you're going to get a lot more from them yeah. if you empower them. And maybe the organization can just do some validation or assurance that that's happening within the upper and lower limits yep. of their risk management. I do think that this does require a little bit of a shift on the fence, however. You know, you're moving from effectively one paradigm where, you know, the workers are your weakest link um, and potentially are the, 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 the root of all issues for you um, through to the other side of the fence where you're really starting to acknowledge that workers are part of that solution, aren't you? Aren't you? you know, yep. you're trying to empower workers so that give them tools that they are able to use to critically appraise the work that they are doing rather but, than sitting in that kind of control space. But it's only a paradigm shift from a safety perspective, isn't it? Because Lean's been there for years and years and years quality's been there for a long time um and lots of organizations but safety still has well not that's not true not all safety but there's a there's a a number of people that think they are the root of all the problems and if they only did what they were supposed to do we wouldn't have any problems and you know we and you're right that's where we've got to help organizations say well actually they're also the key to your solution as well you're going to find how your systems are weak and where they're having to make do to get through get through the day and that's the opportunity so that's where i see that it's moving to 
well, we're going to help people get there, though, don't we? To take your point, Glynis. Well, I, I think that that's really what we're all saying, isn't it? It is about how do organisations take the opportunity to work in partnership with workers so that they can provide opportunities for learning. And this is not about transformational change. No, I agree. This is about doing some little micro-learning experiments in different parts of the organisation to see what happens. Because yep. I think there's two parts of this. We're not wanting companies to solve stuff in this situation. We're willing them to be curious. We want them to see what is the power in building these critical thinking skills with their workers. What is the benefit of workers being able to critically appraise their work and make self-improvement? How does that change them as a person? Does it improve their situational awareness? Does it make them communicate at better levels? Who knows? But that thinks because it's really about understanding what how does it empower workers and and what's the outcome of that empowerment. Then the second part of it is that the organization's now gained all this intelligence. It's now gained some of these insights. How does how do those insights then feed into their continuous improvement of risk management approach? Because not every learning has to lead to an improvement. Oh. It might be the saying that it's just we're doing a validation and it's operating with within our limits of of the system. Yep. Because the system has to have limits. So it's really about how do you harness that information, isn't it? How yeah. do you harness it and how do you group it? Yeah. So that you don't end up with just this raw, um, I suppose, this raw data of learning that constantly bombards you that you then have to do, just like you do with the blunt tools that are being used, you know, predominantly at the moment in safety. You know, the JSAs, the take fives, whatever they might be, where you're asking, you've got a pre, you've got a set of pre-questions that you're getting people to, to answer every time they sort of go to engage with these pieces of paper. Actually, that doesn't harness much information. And when it does, it requires a person to put a lot of effort into, into it to actually dissect it and make some sense of it. So really what you're talking about here is how can you provide a system that supports good learning and at the same time supports the, the ability to harness that information. So, so the projects we're working on at the moment is using um, AI technology to make those weak signals more visible because humans aren't very good at distinguishing forests or the trees. So how to make those weak signals a bit more visible. But what humans are there very good at is that they can then look at that narrative that sits below those weak signals. And they can take that narrative and that context and then basically say, right, do, do we need to be more inquisitive? Do, do, do we need to you know, engage with that group to better understand? That, that's, that's, I think, where this whole thing can start to shift. From, from an organisational learning perspective. And then whatever they gain from that, they should then see about um, how could those learnings be spread or applied across other parts of the business. Yep. Because it's not just about safety. It's about quality. It's about operational excellence. That's the plan. And that's what we're going to try and learn from. I think it's a really exciting time because we've got some ubiquitous tools that we can now use to help us look to see if there is a pattern yeah. and then use something like a learning team or not something, a learning team to help us be curious about those patterns that we've now found and have a look at them. 
and 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 put some value around them. I, and I think it's it's super exciting because we've not been able to do this before with you know these weak signals that have been out in the, out in the our organisations. Yeah, 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 the language of weak signals has been around since the mid seventies. Yes. Yeah. So it's not new. Again, you know, it's not. No. It's Deming and some people that have come before us that we're standing on their shoulders and and taking it to a level because we've got some technology that lets us do it simply yeah, well, and, well, and cost effectively. We've had um, workers want to drive a solution for yes. them and using technology to then take that information and make sense of that information to present it to the organization in a way that the organization can then actually um, make some inquiry. And like everything else, organization it can choose to ignore it. Absolutely, it's not a problem. That's going to be no different to what happens now. They, they choose to ignore it or embrace it. And we've had this conversation before, you know, embrace the red, fear the green. Yes. Okay, change. It's not all about the green. Yeah, risk management is all about threats and opportunities. So let's um, let's embrace the opportunity to learn, but don't try and control the learning. What organisations need to think about is how do they support people to be more successful by providing systems that can support that robust and resilience component that workers need in everyday work. Yeah. I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast with Glynis and Brent Robinson about everyday learning. And just prior to our release of the white paper on everyday learning, I just want to share with you a little snippet from that white paper about our approach to everyday learning and around the proof of concept. So in late 2020, we undertook a pilot to operationalize a worker-led method to gather both uh, operational and business intelligent insights uh, by, from worker engagement and narrative. The worker-led method is about workers being able to reflect on the variability of everyday work and then capturing that narrative about successful work. This is conducted by workers themselves and the output is provided to the organisation for analysis, review, action and feedback. This process recognises that what workers gain from operational learning happens in micro-changes or small amounts, and that daily and organisational learning happens in macro-changes, meaning a more substantial amount of information. And by analysing the intelligence gained, we can then determine if a further deeper dive is needed by conducting a learning team. And in this experiment, there were two methods that we applied, and they were a pre-start or post-work reflection of everyday work, and a periodic team talks about work activities, which we call routine work soak time. They are intended to support the organisation on how to approach this opportunity, rather than being a specific tool to apply. Adapting these activities to the work environment is encouraged, providing that these core principles apply. The first core principle is that it is worker-led and the organisation supports the activity. And second, that they are learning opportunities for both the worker and the organisation. 
when we explored both the pre-start and the post-work reflection of everyday work, there was always this common response from organisations that this is some form of a toolbox or a debrief or a team huddle. I always asked a question, what does a debrief or huddle mean to your organisation? I commonly hear that debriefing simply means getting everyone who was involved in the daily work together for a few minutes at the end of the day to discuss in a non-threatening manner what the team did right, what the team got wrong, and to identify those areas where the team needs to improve. This assumes that the team can self-reflect and then assess and decide within minutes whether their performance as individuals or as a group made things go right or go wrong and what they need to do differently to improve. It places the burden on the person and not the organisation to learn and then not to fail again. Our method is different and that is expected that the plan work by the workers, which are influenced by the organisational's formal safety systems, and how the work actually happens will not always be the same. That there will be variability in work throughout the day, which causes rubs or conflicts between people and systems. Examples of this type of variability are things like, the job requires typically six people to a sick, or the equipment required for the job is not available, or the wrong equipment was sent to the site. The wrong product was delivered, The machine broke down yesterday. We needed to work on a different machine and configured for that day. The list of this type of variability is endless and even the best planning cannot eliminate variability. Workers then have to problem solve and live with the potential consequences that can arise as a result of these rubs or conflicts. And we call this workers having to make do. Making do is not what we are good at. If you are baking a cake at home and you are missing an ingredient or just short of the volume or weight of something, do you make do by substituting and giving it a go? Or do you stop and say, I won't take the risk that my cake won't rise? In our work life, we make do quite often and it allows us to be both adaptable and resilient to our environment. With pre-start, post-work reflection of everyday work activities, workers need to reflect on the planning that occurs at the beginning of the day, on how the day went, and then identify where they had to make do. Making do is the reality of everyday work. Workers are not being asked to make judgment calls on right or wrong, but encouraged as a group to reflect on the potential effect of variability and what micro-improvements, if any, need to be fed into the planning for the next working day. It doesn't have to happen at the very end of the day when workers are more interested in finishing for the day. It could happen at a regular interval, say for instance the last break of the day, so they get used to the routine that it is normal to reflect and learn from everyday work. Why is planning and reflection so important? Well, this self-reflection leads to self-awareness, which is important to inform decision-making 
and become more able and competent in what we are doing. But this can also make us feel both vulnerable and uncomfortable about ourselves or cause us to ruminate by letting the problem replay over and over in one's mind, which creates a negative emotional experience. By doing pre-start, post-work reflection of everyday work activities as a group, workers are encouraged, supported and mentored to enable them to take part in and learn from the benefits of planning, reflecting, being self-aware and learning to improve. The danger of the routineness of any activity is in the reduction in the value of the process, its meaning to the worker and the risk of complacency from the regularity of use by workers. You can see this in the overuse or overdependence of checklists, toolbox meetings, job safety analysis or safe work method statements. How long before the checklist becomes tick and forget? Toolbox meetings become more about being spoken at. Job safety analysis becomes daily cut and paste. It is not the fault of the form. The form is static. It has no emotion. It doesn't evaluate or assess its own usefulness. It is in the purpose of the activity, its meaning and context of the worker and how people engage meaningfully with the system that matters. If workers can't see the value in the system, it can become a barrier before normal work starts. The make-dos are then collected or recorded for further analysis by the organisation by looking at common patterns of occurrence to make those weak signals more visible and the sentiment of the language used by the workers, whether that be negative, neutral or positive, to then gain insights of the workers' present state of resilience. From this pilot, we found that learning from everyday work emphasised the normal work practices and adaptive nature of work that people face in the system. Learning from this is key for timely detection of safety issues and building of critical thinking and reflective skills for workers. We also found that learning and improving takes place at an individual level, a work team level and an organisational level. We also found that with workers, they learn and improve versus what the organisation learns and improves can be very different. We hypothesise that these three levels of learning based at that worker the team and the organisation, we've called them circles of learning. With worker learning and improving, this individual learning happens all the time. But in most cases, it is unintentional, meaning that learning happens as a result of success or failure of the work without any reflective practice as to how and why. Work team learning and improving happens at the work level, and learning happens when the work team reflects on the variability of the work as a group by evaluating and reflecting on the phases of that work, such as work as planned, pre-start work, work as it evolves, work as done, followed by reflecting on where we make do. Organisational learning improving is generalised from learning from the feedback of the work team's 
rather than gaining from the learning of the actual experiences of the work team that happen with the learning team. We also observed a situation regarding the attention or the retention, sorry, of organisational learning, which we have labelled as organisational amnesia. Organisational amnesia is used to describe a situation in which the organisation lose their memory of how work is really performed and why, because it does not exist in the more formal systems that the organisation can refer back to. This is further amplified when that knowledge and experience of team leaders, supervisors and managers leave the organisation. It is important to understand that at each of these learning circles, or circles of learning, learning takes place in a different manner. From the pilot, we have refined our approach of better understanding and identifying weak signals from everyday work. And that also led to the bigger question, does better work lead to better management of psychosocial risks? During the pilot, we observed a range of psychosocial risk factors that became visible during the learning team sessions with the workers and other stakeholders. Workers identified that the safe systems of work were imposed on them as part of an intervention. Audits and observations were used as a way of finding fault. Workers were dressed down for these obvious and blatant violations. Workers were kicked off site if the golden rules weren't applied, regardless of whether they were suitable or not. And workers were told, if you talk back, it's a long walk home. Yet every day, workers have to either manage risks, take risks, or avoid risks to get the world done. Found that they were then operating in an environment of fear and intimidation, by which safety was being used to get workers to follow the rules through control and dominance, which created conditions of anxiety amongst workers. Of course, the organisations were horrified to hear such stories. They used words like zero tolerance and zero harm to justify this behaviour. The organisation began to realise that it's not just about how communication is given, but also how communication is received. In many of the stories shared by the different work teams, the messaging was only one way. You were told, you must listen, and be held to account if you don't. During the problem understanding mode of the learning team, workers could see the value in some aspects of the forms, checklists, and other safe systems of work that were being used. They felt that the system was all about them having to give the system permission, which directly undermined their job control and autonomy, which diminished their value and psychological safety. The worker solution was about reversing this imbalance and gaining a greater belief of ownership of the work and safe outcomes. The system shifted from being an intervention to the worker to supporting the organisation's need for assurance and verification. This led to better work through the eyes of the worker and a gain in their own beliefs and well-being by reflecting, learning and improving from everyday work. Thank you listeners for being part of this podcast. 
We would love to hear your learnings or other topics you would like us to explore about learning teams. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and give us your feedback. Become part of the community of practice with learning teams. Go to www.learningteamscommunity.com, support the authors of the practice of learning teams, purchase the book from amazon.com or go to www.learningteamsbook.com for an inside look and other free book resources from the authors. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.